Hello, you're listening to Manasi Niven Asia on Reasoning with Prejudice. In this podcast, we'll entertain you as we debate on topics that are sometimes meaningful, sometimes lighthearted, but always interesting. And you don't even have to give us a penny for our thoughts. So today's topic is what triggers us. So one thing um, I think we definitely have to understand before we proceed with this to, uh, with this topic is the difference between being negatively triggered and being uncomfortable and annoyed. I think we use triggered in normal life way too much, but, but the actual meaning is when someone with a history of trauma being around anything that reminds them of it is triggering. They would feel like they're living the trauma all over again. Mm-hmm. I think trigger itself, like the concept of triggers is a spectrum that can range mm-hmm from like you know trauma triggers and um like general triggers i guess any mental like not mental illness or mental like factor it's always going to have a spectrum you know there's no like there's no just a one type of something yeah that's true it's not like a pass or fail thing yeah so what were you thinking manasi as the definition well I was thinking more of emotional triggers. Okay, so when I thought about triggers, I thought about emotional triggers. So the kind of things that you get angry and annoyed at, because oftentimes we think that a situation is what angers us when it's our own perception of the situation. That's what I um, got from triggers. It's like how we perceive the world around us and how does that affect us negatively? Yeah, I agree with that very much. So like when we started this topic, we had no discussion about what it is, right? We just gave a topic and we thought, okay, fine, we'll just have a discussion about this. So Angel, what did you think that what triggers us meant? Well, well, both sides of what you guys said. So like the trauma, because obviously I know that side of it. But for me, I, I haven't really gone through many traumatic experiences. So yeah. I guess I've heard the word more used I don't know, casually, when someone gets angry or, like, uh, something, mm-hmm. then someone just tease them and say, you're just triggered or something, you know, like, yeah. you know. Yeah, but, like, Aisha, you said you weren't triggered. Uh, I mean, you don't have any traumatic experiences in the past, but I think most of the experiences that happened to you, which are traumatic, you don't consider them to be trauma, maybe? Because, like, um, you once told me a story about... Um, oceans and how you hated swimming and how like as a kid when you were forced to go in there or something you were like you hated it so now like every time you go to the ocean you just don't like it yeah that's true but it's more like it's not something that makes me remember a traumatic experience when I see this the ocean it's not uh it's not the memory that scares me. It's this. It's still the fear that scares me. It's like not triggering. It's just scary. Yeah. So you had this fear of the ocean for whatever reason, but the traumatic experience that happened to you in childhood it did not help the fear. If anything, it might have been like heightened it because you felt really helpless at that yeah, point. Yeah, I think that's true. So if in the future someone forces you to go into the ocean, that would be triggering. Yeah. Even before anything happens, you'd be like, no, this is not going to happen. I mean, if you ask me, like, what triggers me, it's feeling helpless. And when I can't control the situation, 
that's triggering to the point um, to when I was bullied maybe or when I um, had to go to a new school where I mm-hmm. knew no one those feelings are triggered where panic builds up in my like yeah, body kind of panic. for example so there's positive triggers as well so do you know the park which is near my house so we celebrated Nancy's birthday there by letting out sky lanterns so each time I walk across that Every time I remember, like, what I remember yeah. is the sky lanterns. That's, like, a nice positive trigger. The thing with triggers is that you want to do so many things to stop feeling that way. But, like, it's how the trigger affects you. So with me, it just, like, makes me anxious and I kind of, like, shut down and I don't do anything about it. I'm just like, can, can this moment just be over kind of thing? Yeah, definitely. That, that always feels, whenever it lose control... I just feel like, oh God, I can't, I can't breathe. Like, I just have to stop. Like, I have yeah. to go and cry. Um, so how do we cope with this when we feel that way? I don't. <laughs> Same. Come on, we all have ways I of coping. Close, like, like you said, I just close up um, yeah. all of my emotions. I try and, like, stay, I don't know, to myself. And I just shut everyone mm. out yeah. and everything. Uh, so I'm a person who can easily be distracted so if I'm spiraling or if I'm panicking or if I'm upset about something the immediate thing I would do is I would watch tv or I would read a book most people might think that I read books I, I started reading books because I really wanted to read books but I started reading books when um, I was being bullied and so when I was being bullied or when I was upset about something it was an easy escape for me when I started reading it's like I'm not focusing on myself anymore. My problems are distant. Um, But sometimes if it's really intense, maybe writing about it even helps. Yeah, I was just going to say that. That's what I do. Like, Aisha, you remember in form, if I, like, just feel really socially anxious, I just won't talk to anyone. Like, when you and Rahul aren't there, I'll just, like, I won't join the other group. I'll just sit by myself at our table and, like, pretend to read a book. And that's, like, my way of coping, just to avoid the whole social situation altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's one way of dealing. And then when I'm triggered to the point that I'm, like, really angry, really annoyed, and I'm, like, shaking and just out of control, I just block the whole thing out and just doodle. I mean, they're pretty good ones, because no one can help you at that moment but you because no one can understand what you're going through no matter how close they are even if they are parents or your Mm -hmm. best friends this it reminded me of something um asia told me so um we do exercise every morning especially in quarantine where we try to be healthy (laughs) and um okay anyway so she said um that when she has a period she usually has her cramps um and exercise is a way of when she's focusing on her muscle pain and not on her thumb pain so it distracts her from the other pain <laughs> moving on to a lighter topic what annoys you oh, like what that oh triggers? i have so many of these this is like my whole thing that i've prepared right <laughs> oh okay so niv you might remember this right it was last year and uh, mm. we went to this lecture and it was like in this lecture hall, right? And there were so many, well, not so many seats, but you know, like a, a normal amount of seats. 
and it was quite like empty like only the first maybe 10 rows were like uh taken up and there was like so much space all around the lecture theater and um uh, me and you, Niv, we had this row mm-hmm. to ourselves because, you know, there weren't many people. This guy <laughs> came up, yeah. walked into the row, and the whole empty mm-hmm. row, he sat in the seat that is right next to me. <laughs> and, I and remember I that. was like, what the <laughs> Why is he sitting beside <laughs> me? <laughs> oh, mind it, this is before the coronavirus as well. <laughs> yeah and I was like okay it's okay if it was like a like full of people and you had to like squidge not squidge but you know like squidge next to me that's fine but when you have another option why would you like take the seat that's next to me and make me feel claustrophobic maybe he likes you I doubt it and even if he like sitting next to someone in a lecture theater where you can't talk and you can't do anything and then he doesn't even say anything at the end it's like what was the point then he just wanted like what did he want like <laughs> i don't know see i yeah that 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 would be fine with me but if some we're sitting in a row all by ourselves and no one comes and sits with you that annoys me like you're all by yourself and no one bothers to sit with you. Yeah, actually that would annoy me as well. Mm. What would annoy you? Oh god, I have I have a person who describes everything that annoys me. <laughs> oh, yeah. See all the things Manasi and uh, gets annoyed by is embodied in Literally. one human being. Literally. Like that's that's the only human part of it though. Like just lying, annoying, showing off, faking stuff like ugh pisses me off um so basically uh this guy right he was supposed to go to the show in london called um you know britain's got talent and um he like did this like he came back and he like made this elaborate story about like how like the whole show and the acts that were there and how he like saw simon cowell i'm pretty sure like asia was here as well when he did that and mm-hmm. oh i don't remember because like it's like two years back but um I like I was just talking to my mom and she said that they actually didn't end up going because something happened. I don't remember what happened. Like it got cancelled or something. I mean, they're family friends. Yeah, before, yeah, uh, she's a family yeah. friend. And I just kept thinking, like, how could you create such an elaborate story about something? It was just crazy. And then when I confronted him about it, he was like, no, we did go. Like, no, this did happen. It's just people like keeping on lying and lying and like pathological liars piss me off especially when they can hold up such a great facade in front of everyone and it's just like i'm just there asking like what's the point what are you going to gain out of so yes i was talking to asia about it and asia was like wait no i was like should we confront him or something we like i talked to him about it and he kind of admitted lying and everything and then when we were, like, uh, sitting in a circle, me, Asia, then, like, a couple of his friends, and, like, yeah, basically, we were sitting in a circle, and he, like, someone asked him about it, like, how was the show? And bear in mind, he hadn't made up any stories to this person, and he, like, he kind of, you know, lied that he actually went to it, and I, 
I said something that I'm not proud of because you know it puts someone in a really uncomfortable position. But I was like, but to I... be fair, to yeah. be fair on Manasi, it was like um, because it was like a big group. No one really heard what they yeah. were saying except for me. What did you say? I was like, I thought you didn't go to it or something because I was like really annoyed. I don't know. It just pisses me off. It's like if if you can lie and you know be like that why can't I tell the truth and be like it was a really petty mm. thing to do but I just said I thought you didn't go to this you know um social event and he looked at me mm. and he was like just don't like he just said like please stop or just don't or something I don't remember what he said but it was it was like he looked at you I was like so sad like the yeah. look in his eyes and he was like please and I was like oh my god I know and I was like it just makes you think that even though you're getting triggered by this whole like facade he's pulling up maybe this is his response of getting triggered by something else it's a cycle yeah and I think I don't like when people lie but when it's something I'd rather it be something like that than something uh, I don't know something worse I'd actually prefer to be different, you know, because lying about something worse is understandable why you'd want to do that. But these kind of lies just worry me. <laughs> like, why do you feel the need to, you know, lie about something so futile? Maybe he wants to seem interesting. Maybe his trigger is probably people thinking he's boring. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't feel proud about what I said to him. I think it was mostly how he reacted to what I said to him that made me feel bad. But yeah. yeah, but I think it was... I know it's like a really bad way to put it, but it's good that you kind of hurt the person who was wrong in the first place to understand you did a mistake so you wouldn't hurt someone in the future who doesn't deserve it. Yeah. I know it's a really bad way to put it, but... No, that's a good way of putting it, actually. That makes sense. What annoys me is the noise that Manasi makes. <laughs> yeah, actually, to be I mean, fair, yeah. like Manasi, you're not as bad as Rahul. Like, he's the worst. Oh, yes, um, Rahul's um our friend. He's gonna be um on our podcast next week. Yep. Yeah. Um. Sometimes. So yeah, he makes a lot of noises. I guess I'm just like really sensitive to noises, and I just can't take it. Oh my yeah, god! Like, right. At this point, um, because, like, so many calls have been going on since lockdown, like, calls are every day, it's not even the sound that, well, it is the sound that annoys me, but even a little rustle that wouldn't have annoyed me before, it triggers me now because it's like my brain's, I've conditioned my brain to think that it's, like, a bad noise and I get pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, another thing that annoys me is people comparing people. Who's smarter? Who's nicer? Oh you know? God, yes. I'm like, like, who cares? I mean, we compare like Apple products. We compare Amazon products. We don't compare people. Yeah. Mm. Well, I kind of do in my mind. Not people that I care about, but like how you guys are different than the people I don't like. Like that kind of comparison. Yeah, that's in your head. You kind of have like this ranking system of people, and that keeps changing because you compare them. That's fine, but when you say it out loud, it makes people uncomfortable. Yeah. My grandma uh, and this uh, we used to have a maid, so um, the maid's daughter was about the same age as me, and my grandma would say, 
oh, let's see who gets a higher mark in the next test. And I'm like, don't put me in this awkward position. Yeah. Like, you, you, you're proud of me, I get it, but I don't want to be in this position. Like, you're putting me in an awkward position. Maybe you're telling I'm better, or maybe she'll end up with a better mark, in, in which case she'll be better. I, I just don't want to be compared. You know what else I find annoying? Mm. I, I find my thoughts annoying at times. Like, I'd be thinking about something, and then I think about an embarrassing moment, right? And I hit myself, <laughs> and then I'm like, don't think about it. And then, and then my brain's like, fight me and it thinks about more embarrassing moments. oh my god yes oh my god i could so relate to that yeah and i okay i daydream and i think about these embarrassing moments and i wince outwardly and swayze is always looking at me like niv's gone mad <laughs> and once um in drama um a couple of years ago in drama class we were sitting in this massive circle and i thought about something and i winced very very much and the person who's sitting opposite to me was like, Nib, are you feeling all right? <laughs> and I was like, oh dear. <laughs> we actually posed this question about what triggers you to over 2,500 people um, on one of our Instagram accounts. And we got some responses back. So we'll kind of read them out and talk about it for a bit. So we only picked a few of the responses because... Um, there was too many and we just picked the interesting ones i guess <laughs> sorry to everyone else um gracie molly has said when i have no motivation to revise and i know i need to yes that's annoying like you know you're supposed to do something but you just can't bring yourself to do it mm. i think man oh is my God. literally like i leave everything to the last minute because that's the only time when i feel motivated it's like so satisfying though when you actually like pressure drives you yeah like pressure is just yeah like i love like the subjects that i'm studying in a levels but because we have exams because we don't have exams i haven't even like opened my book for an interesting read which i thought i would do Mm. it's just like yeah i need pressure if there's no pressure i won't do anything you know what's weird about you manasi is you say that you say that when you watch Netflix when you're supposed to be revising, you find it more enjoyable. Yes, <laughs> it's like yeah, it's so satisfying. Oh my god, guilty pleasure. Yeah, it's like you're getting away with something. Like okay, if I'm doing my English coursework and I've done this before, and I just like go on Netflix to watch like one episode it's so thrilling like i'm doing something wrong oh man she's skating through the night <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're very sad people this is like the most rebellious thing manasi has done mm. well we all have to get our thrills some somehow <laughs> <laughs> okay so what's the solution for this See, what I tend to do is, um, if I really have no motivation and I know I have to do, I sit and then, like, kind of draw out a timetable, kind of look at, write down everything I need to learn and the time that I need to learn it by and kind of try to put it in, like, a schedule, kind of plan out a timetable. And when I know I can't fit everything in the timetable, I know I absolutely have to start revising. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I do that. Like, I find it much easier to be motivated when I know exactly what I need to do and, like, it broken down into chunks and stuff and everything's organised. Yeah. If you, like, plan, oh, three to four, I'm going to study, 
vagueness of it, you wouldn't want to study. But if you say three to four, I'm going to do atomic structure. That's a specific thing you have to do. And say three to four, I'm going to do atomic structure and answer questions. That's more specific. So you would want to do it because it's specific and you don't have to decide. One mistake I've made with making timetables is that I've left a day in the past, like a day before the exam, where I'll review Mm. everything that I studied during the Mm. week. And what I do, I just end up thinking when I'm, you know, doing my individual chapters that, oh, yeah, I'll review this. Like, I've got an entire day to go through this again. Like, I'll just leave it for now. So don't do that. Make your timetable so jam-packed that you have to do it. Yeah. Vishna um, has said, trying to get better at something, but not, like, seeing it happen. It's just not working out. Yeah, I mean, that would be annoying and triggering at the same time. You're giving your 100% into something and it's, you know. Yeah, like not being good at something and then just not being able to fix it. Like for me, that is um, art or like English or one of those subjects. And that just doesn't come naturally to yeah, me. Yeah, and she got a in English. And you just can't get better and you don't know how to get better. And yeah just the helplessness again i guess yeah oh um okay bruce williams said getting told what to do um he likes instructions because they give structure but not when someone orders him around yes (laughs) oh my god it's like these people are me (laughs) yeah like even if um i have this or I think most people have this but if you're thinking about doing something and then you get told to do it it's like you don't want to do it anymore even if you wanted to do it before because it's like you're doing it just because they told you to do it yeah because it's annoying I don't want to be controlled yeah I didn't learn to cook for a long long time because I thought this is what people expect me to do as a girl yes oh my god literally like basically my relative that my mom knows they always say that oh yeah she's like such a good cook like you know she's so helpful to you Mm. and it must be so nice to like you know um have your daughter cook stuff and it's they like it's such a stereotypical thing to say and it kind of makes me feel like I don't want to like fit this stereotypical mold of a girl sometimes and it's scary I mean they might not have meant it yeah they might not have meant it but you just think automatically you think oh my god it's because no but some of them do mean it some of them do mean it and it's a it's coming from a gender role like point of view from their like um perspective but it's scary because cooking is something I genuinely genuinely love doing and I wouldn't expect yeah. my brother to do it just because he hates cooking. All he likes to do is eat. But there's other stuff that, you know, women are, you know, are meant to do, quotation marks, yeah. that he does. And I don't do. Like, he's sensitive and I'm not. It, it's it's just annoys me when people just expect you to do stuff. Yeah, same. Like, I love cooking. And then I decided after some point, like, if people think that, let them think that. Yeah. It's a life skill. At the end of the day, whether you're a girl or a boy, you need to know how to cook. Yeah. Okay, same person said, when people get angry or overreact at minor things, and I'm going to have to disagree with him, 
well, I don't yeah. like. I don't know. It could trigger me. I guess like I'm not trigger me, but it could piss me off if someone got annoyed at a simple thing that I thought was simple. But usually, I would try and think about it in their perspective. And if they're angry yeah. about it, then it's obviously not simple, is it? Yeah, it's big to them, and I I disagree with you, Bruce Williams, as well. Because I'm usually the person who overreacts <laughs> at minor things. But I just have to say, what's minor to you is not minor to me. And if I have a problem, and I think it's better that I voice it out. Yeah. And um, when you like label things as overreacting when people are reacting, then... That annoys yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> that annoys me. Because it's, um, it's diminishing your feelings. And it's also um, discouraging further communication because you get scared that um people are annoyed that you voiced Mm. what was troubling you and even if it is small like I would want I think all my friends and family to tell me if that like something was troubling them and I don't want them to ever think that I would get annoyed um that they were quote overreacting I get that but like there's different types of overreacting, and I feel like all of us have um, quite secure relationships. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, like, with our families or with our friends. Like, mm-hmm. we're secure enough to know that the person is coming from a certain place. But, like, overreacting could also be, like, you know, a spouse coming home and then you telling them something that pisses them off and them, like, throwing a plate across the room or, like, doing something that is toxic. I think that would piss me off, like overreacting at the most like little things. And Mm. that is also like overreacting in a way, like out of proportion reactions that may hurt the person in Mm. front of you emotionally. And those kind of toxic relationships, I think like you can talk about it all you want. And, you know, you can talk about what the reaction was and stuff, but sometimes you just need to get out of them. So, like, overreacting within reason is acceptable. But then that's just reacting, isn't it? No, because sometimes it is, like, a simple thing, and you can see that, like, when you kind of take a step back and in hindsight. But at the moment, you are reacting how you feel is, like, right to you, even though in reality it is overreacting. I might regret it after a few days. And even if it is because of my period, even if it, if it is because of my PMSing, like, try to understand that it's, I'm not being myself right then. I think your personality when you are PMSing, though, or whenever you're stressed or anything, that is part of your personality. Like, you're probably mm-hmm. stressed more than you are happy. Like, even if it's a little bit, you're always partly stressed. So that, that is part of your personality. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Getting asked obvious questions like, are you eating when I'm eating? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get what you mean. Like, um, uh, I find it annoying when people ask me obvious questions and I'm just like, do I have to waste my breath like answering you when I know that it's, I mean, when we both know it's an obvious answer? But I do the same thing because it's like a icebreaker or something that you use to kind of start a conversation, maybe. It gets the ball rolling. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I don't know. It didn't annoy me. I didn't think much about it before you mentioned it, actually. <laughs> now I think I can't unsee it next time someone does it. Yeah, but like, are you eating is such an interesting question. It just, you know, you talk about food. Like, what's better? Yeah, if they're chewing, obviously they're eating. Yeah. No, but it's like, are you eating? And then they're like, yeah, and what are you eating? This dish. Oh, yeah, I have this. And you just get started about delicious food. It's like a great, yeah. Yeah, but what um, I usually does is sometimes she calls me um, pretty late and she's like, were you sleeping? <laughs> I'm like, no, Asia, I wasn't. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I like that. That's not because it's like obvious anything. It's because I want to show you that I'm not like completely. You knew what you were yeah. doing, but you did it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm not completely oblivious. Like I knew, but you know, I don't want to show you that. Your need was just more important than my. Yeah, sleep. exactly. <laughs> Moving on to the next one. Um, oh. getting called out for your criticisms. Mm, yes, that triggers me. Yeah. In the moment. Yeah, in the moment. I think, for me, I need to be prepared for it. Um, I need to, like, mentally prepare myself. Maybe it only works if I ask for it. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. thing with me is I would never ask yeah. for it. So, like, I need you to. You would, though. No, you have. Like No, when... but... Like, rip it apart. You yeah, but those aren't, like, criticism. Like, I, I don't mind... Are. Yeah, but those are, like, really minor. Like, I don't care if, you know, I, I'm not good at writing, like, a book. Do you know what I mean? I actually have a screenshot, Manasi, because we were practicing for Oxbridge interviews or something, and we asked, what are our, like, flaws? Um, critique, bring it on. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so my one was obviously being arrogant, overconfident, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Rahul said it. He keeps saying that all the time. Um. But, yeah, I mean, I like that. And I also like it when Asia says, no, you're not being arrogant. You're just being bold and people can't accept that. Yeah, but... You have to have a balance between it. Yeah, maybe. But those those critiques that you mentioned, being overconfident, those can go both ways. It can be, like, it can be a, a good thing misunderstood as a critique. Do you know what I mean? These critiques are, like, mm. people telling you that, like, this is such a good thing, but it may seem like a bad thing. And that isn't always damaging to hear. But critiques, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it, it, sometimes it drives me up. Like, yeah. kind of, obviously, I don't want to accept my mistakes. Uh, I don't want to admit my weaknesses. But I'm not annoyed by it to the extent where I'm triggered. Mina Khan said, when people walk so slowly on the pavement, but they also block it so you can't overtake them. Oh my god, yes. Especially in the lockdown. Like, I don't want to catch COVID, but I kind of want to, you know, walk faster. It's a dilemma. (laughs) That's that's a classic, classic one. Mm. Even before COVID, like it would piss me off because everyone has their own different walking pace and the worst one is where like you kind of you can't overtake someone without walking faster than you usually would but they're still 
in front of you walking slower than you usually would. So you have to kind of make a choice whether to look like an idiot walking really fast to get past them or settle for walking slow and like being late. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just go in front of them and do the exact thing that they're doing to me. And if they try to overtake me, I'll just walk faster. Oh like my few. god, man. <laughs> That's a good point. Please, Amina Khan, next time uh, this happens to you, please do that. Follow Manasi's example. <laughs> this is by KP Reedy. Three, when people try to warn you how hard medicine is. So when you're applying for something or when you're trying to do something, it's not like you don't see the chance of failure in it. Why people have to remind you, I don't understand. You know, you're being hopeful about something and the last thing they should do is crush your hopes and confidence. Yeah, yeah. And it's also like they're implying that, you know, it's hard, right? You can't deal with that. There's a person called Niam Diver. Um, she said, people sharing their incredible scores and saying they're disappointed with it. I'm so sorry, Niam, but I think I'm one of those people. Because I think it's modesty. I know it's probably not, but when people say, when I say my score, and they're like, oh my god, it's so good. And then I, I, I'm I, like forced to say, nah, it's actually not that great. Because I feel like, how would I react to it? Yeah, you can't say, yeah, I'm amazing, I'm so smart. Like, you can't say that. I mean, I do say it to my closest friends, right? But not to people I don't know. Yeah. Mm. But also another thing is that people have their own standards of themselves. Yes. And it's like, it's not, if someone got a grade and then someone else is saying, that's so good, like, why are you upset about that? It makes them feel bad about wanting to achieve higher. But I agree with you in the sense that after our GCSE results, some people posted their scores, um, their amazing scores, on their story and said, ah, could have done better. When people have failed, that's, that's not cool. Yeah. I mean, that again is the same thing, isn't it? No, it's not because there's there's no need for you to go on social media, make a post just to say you're not happy with it. Is it evolutionarily um, advantageous to have triggers? Depends what you mean by triggers. Well, no. Yeah, it is because it's like a fear. Yeah, it is kind of a fear. And mm. you're you like evolutionary speaking, you should only be scared of the things that are bad so like I heard this story about in the ancient times when a parent's child would die of I don't know starvation or get eaten by an animal it would like hurt them so much like so it caused them so much emotional pain that they lost their child and that was caused so that it would never happen again and you know they can carry on breeding and their life like humans won't be extinct yeah so the brain links what is considered to be dangerous to judge how to react and maybe alerting the fight or flight response triggering is basically that right Mm -hmm. but i think um there's like certain sounds which is supposed to kind of trigger you so there's this there's this thing right there's a youtube channel called the infographics show Uh, i love i love their channel it's basically they give scientific explanation to most of the things so they said um in one of their episodes they were talking about how sounds can be triggering and how it'll be helpful in during the vietnam war the american military used something called the operation wandering soul 
um, which is basically like they used um, recordings of uh, or manipulated ghost noises or sounds uh, to scare the Vietnamese um, soldiers because the Vietnamese culture believed in ghosts and the the troops were really scared and they didn't want to fight. Um, is this right? Because emotionally triggering people. Is this right? Is it morally no, right? No, it's not right. Yeah, but how isn't it better than actually shooting at them and killing them? Well, wait, what's your question? Is it right or is it like, are you comparing it to something? Is, is it right? Like during war, um, during the Vietnamese war, the American soldiers um, kind of manipulated um, the Vietnamese soldiers' triggers and used it against them. Well, the whole concept of war, I don't feel is right. So I guess that isn't right. Yeah, you can't comment on something that you just disagree with as a whole. Yeah, I guess that's true. But it's it's psychological torture to some extent. But I think it might be better than killing them. It's the lesser of the two evils. Is it though? But I guess it depends on the person, like how much yeah. they're affected by it. I can't generalize. Wait, what it's like... sound did they give? Ghost sounds. I actually have a recording of that. Um, let me just no play thanks. it. That's scary. I think in war, emotional distress it may be more damaging than um, physical distress. Like we did this whole thing in you know English literature. Like we've studied poems written by actual soldiers, and. Mm. A physical like mental trauma always stood out like you're being haunted by those memories again and again and again while physical trauma wasn't really top on that list like looking at physical trauma was on top of that list but not physical trauma itself because that passes loud bangs like car crashes gunshots yeah it, it's helpful in the sense that it triggers you and you jump out of the way or you attempt to anyway can you um grow out of triggers? Triggers are kind of like phobias, fears even. So can you grow out of it? Yeah, because the whole concept behind phobias is that they were created by association. So mm-hmm. like there's this thing called classical conditioning and it's basically associating a um neutral stimulus, something that doesn't, you know, ev- evoke a reaction from someone associating that with um something fearful or something disgusting so like there was this study done on this little kid who was um presented with this um furry mouse toy and that was a neutral Mm -hmm. stimulus because he didn't he didn't like react to it but then the researcher presented that mouse toy with a loud bang at the same time and he repeated this action a couple of times and the next time the boy saw something furry or something that looked like a mouse, he would start crying. So if, because phobias are like a response that is learned from past experience, mm. then you can kind of disassociate things as well. Like you take a trigger and associate, like learn to associate it something with something positive. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I used to, 
uh, when people looked at me, that really triggered me. So I couldn't do uh, public speaking, but I didn't want that to be a weakness. So I guess I kept doing it. And now I barely notice it. Yeah. I'm like, if people judge me, they judge me. Like, I can't do anything about it. I think by practice, you might, like, no, I'm not, I'm not generalizing it. I'm not saying intense phobias and triggers can be cured. It, it could be, but I, I'm not sure. It depends on every person. For me, my experience showed it can. Yeah. They generally can, if done in the right way. Depends from person to person. Yeah. I guess when you push yourself to do things that are way outside your comfort zone, you kind of expand your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah, in this book called Divergent by Veronica Roth, um, you know how four keeps going into his fear landscape. So fear landscape is when you get injected into a serum and you start um, hallucinating and you start going through your fear landscape, which ha- which embodies all your fears. And he keeps going through it because he wants to be immune to his fears. I Maybe you don't ever get to a point where you're completely immune to it, but you might get closer to it. Yeah. So let's talk about positive visual triggers, maybe. I mean, I don't even like, like the heat that much. Like, it's exhausting. But just seeing the light um, outside instead of the darkness, I don't know, just makes me happy. You know, um, there's a YouTube uh, channel called Pick Up Limes. And in one of her YouTube channels, she said, oh, people keep snacking and people eat junk foods. Um, so one way to control that is by having um, fresh fruits lying around everywhere. So that's like a positive visual trigger. So it motivates you to pick up the fruit instead of open the cupboard to pick up the junk food. Positive visual triggers could also be like um, having posters and toilets or um in your walls about various things that you need to remember for your studies kind of helps you remember it (laughs) that isn't a positive trigger for me if I did that it would just be a negative trigger because even like when I'm resting in my safe space uh there's constantly nagging me to do something (laughs) yeah it's kind of motivating you in that sense (laughs) what about even like a to-do list that's a positive trigger Mm -hmm. Because it kind of helps you visualise, okay, I have this much stuff left to do and I have to get on with it. I'm not saying it always works. Mm. I like other um, sensory triggers as well, like hugging or cuddling. Like, that makes me so happy. Or um, watching videos of babies laughing at, like, the stupidest things cheers me up. Because, like, it just reminds you of just how happy babies are is, yeah. Yeah, like my story about the lanterns as well. Yeah, that and smells like if I if I smell something familiar, like a cake baking, or mm. if I smell something old, like if I you know sniff an old book, it just fills me up in like a nice way. Or a new book. No, oh, new books annoy me. <laughs> really. And yeah, you know like the... new cars annoy me. New cars. Oh smell. no, I love what? new car smell. I hate it. Like in India, when we got a new car, I would not like sit in it with the windows rolled up because it like it nauseated me. I needed to have fresh. You're not weird. I love huh? that smell. I love that smell too. It's just artificial, I think, for me. For me. 
I love more natural. And also, you know the candle uh, we bought for yes. your birthday? One of it smelled like jasmine. Oh my God. And that reminded me of my childhood. Yes. Like I know. It's it's such a nice memory. Like I, When I smelt it that day, I just like remembered my granddad buying those for my grandmom. Like, just like him like picking me up from school and like buying one of the yeah. garlands and tying it in mm. her hair. I was like, it's so sweet. Oh my God. I remember my... Um, grandmom's neighbor mm-hmm. uh so she has this like huge um plant of jasmine and she'd pluck them every evening and she would uh kind of make this head ornament by herself oh. it, it was i just I, I just loved watching her work That's so it's so cute how like these little triggers can just remind you of like yeah. the most amazing things mm-hmm. see now that's a good note to end yeah. on yeah Okay, thanks for listening. You can follow us at Reasoning with Prejudice on Instagram. You can also listen to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Red Circle. Tune in for our next episode, which is on Are We Heading Towards an Age of Autarky? We discuss whether the whole world is heading toward a state of economic independence and self-sufficiency. In some ways, autarky is every country's dream. But with the current COVID situation, would we be forced to go into this? And we're also excited to have our second guest speaker. You have been listening to Reasoning with Prejudice with Asia, Manasi, and Niv. And that's a wrap. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs>